as the choir is returning uh, to their seats, let me uh, again thank them. As you guys really sound uh, really good with those, those songs. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks for the blessing. It's great. We're continuing with our uh, series, Getting Off the Bus in Corinth. And this morning we're looking at the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. And we are looking at uh, verses 1 through 9. So hear these words, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people. Paul's talking about when he first came to them, came to this church. Of course, he's been gone for a while now. Uh, He himself is in some distress as he has received word that behavior in the church is uh, not good and it's troubling to him. I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready. For you're still of the flesh, for as long as there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are, not, are you not of the flesh, and behaving according to human inclinations. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together, and you're God's field, God's building. That is God's word for us this morning. Well, when Paul writes these words to the church in Corinth. It, uh, one commentator said about, about the church in Corinth, that Corinth, this church, was probably the, the poster child for what a squabbling church would look like. Uh, they couldn't seem to agree on, on much of anything. And the particular problem that Paul's addressing in this chapter uh, continuing the kind of the thought that uh, he began in the second chapter, the problem that he's addressing is the idea of uh, being spiritually elite, that some of us are better than others, that some churches are better than others, because after all, we know the truth. We have the truth. We're mature in the faith. And so if you want to know something, listen to us, but don't listen to them. Uh, Because they just don't get it. They don't have it. And uh, even within churches, that happens. Divisions that that can occur where we assign kind of hierarchies. One of the things about the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, is that we we try to avoid that, that kind of hierarchical understanding. Focus on the idea of being servants in Christ's name, all of us. But it happens. And it happens between churches. One of the reasons that we were founded, that we came into being, the Christian church, disciples of Christ came into being, 
was because our founders, Barton Stone, Thomas Campbell, and Alexander Campbell, his son, and Walter Scott, they looked at the landscape of the church, the entire church, and scratched their heads and said to themselves, uh, and not knowing that each of them were saying the same thing in different places, Stone in Kentucky, Campbell's up in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Walter Scott eventually in Ohio, all saying the same thing in different places. There's something wrong here. There's too much division. There's too much dispute. Stone, Barton Stone, one of our founders, began that journey in his life uh, through being part of, a leader of, what was called the Cane Ridge Revival, the second great awakening in our country. It's always interesting to me when, when politicians particularly seem to, and church people, uh, seem to talk about our, our country as always having been a Christian nation and forgetting church history that in the early 1700s and again 100 years later, there was awakening, spiritual awakening. It was estimated at the time that the Cane Ridge Revival took place in the early 1800s that, that about 20% of our, the entire country, it was only about 20% of the entire country that, that had some kind of idea, some kind of relationship with the Lord, and that relationship was expressed by being in a, in a church, a faith community of some sort. So Barton Stone, in his uh, Cane Ridge Revival participation, he looked at the landscape of what was estimated by, or by some folks estimated to be 20,000 or more people over a two-week period. So you all have a hard time sitting in here for an hour. Think if you had to go to something and be there for two weeks. And he looked at that landscape and he said, "Uh, you know, this is the way it should be. We're all here. We come from different backgrounds, different cultures. We're different people. And we're all here together for one reason, for one purpose. To express our oneness in Christ. Well, the Campbells uh, came to uh, the same conclusion. They were in a different part of the country. And uh, the Campbells looked at uh, things through a a little bit different lens. Both of them, uh, Alexander and his, or uh, Thomas and his son Alexander, had come over to this country. They were they were migrants. They were immigrants. I assume they entered the country legally. We hope so. But nonetheless, they came into this country uh, with an idea that the church uh, should be one. Thomas was already over here, and he'd already come to that conclusion. Alexander was over in Scotland. Same thing, looked at the church. I'm going to ask Dave Schluttenhofer to hand out some some cards here uh, that hopefully will help illustrate some of what was going on in the church that the Campbells were part of. All these guys at one time were Presbyterians, and we still have strong ties to the Presbyterian church, so we don't want to practice spiritual elitism this morning and say, well, we're better than Presbyterians. But the Campbells 
were old light, okay, anti-burger, seceder Presbyterians. Now, each one of those three designations, old light, anti-burger, seceder, that reflected a split in the church somewhere along the way. They looked at the landscape and said, man, there's something's going on here that's not right. We ought to be able to get along together. We ought to be one in Christ. Uh, one of the things that particularly troubled them was the way the church was practicing communion. And so, as Dave has been handing out those cards, uh, here's what would happen during the week. We didn't have a week to do this. We're doing it this morning. If you got a token, so if you're one of the lucky ones that got a card this morning, hold up your card. Okay. All the rest of you are not welcome at the communion table. It's only the people that have the cards. That's the way the church was operating. You got a token during the week, and you had to produce that token. When it came time for the Lord's Supper, or you didn't get to participate. You had to have the token. And our founders said there's just something not right about us excluding people as very much Paul talks about in this third chapter, excluding people really on the basis of spiritual elitism. That's not what God intended for us, to seek out differences. And so Thomas Campbell, in the Declaration and Address, one of our founding documents, he said this about the church. We believe that the church of Christ upon earth is essentially, intentionally, and constitutionally one. And Barton Stone and several of his uh, colleagues in ministry in the Springfield Presbytery wrote this, the last will and testament of the Springfield Presbytery. We will that this body die, be dissolved, and sink into union with the body of Christ at large. For there is but one body, and one spirit, as we are called in our one hope of calling, Jesus Christ. And he based that on Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 4 through 6. It wasn't too long after that that, that uh, the idea of unity being our polar star came into being. Let's do away with, with all these disagreements. I mean, we can have our differences. We do have our differences. We're different. We understand that. But there shouldn't be any difference that is so great that we exclude other people. That we exclude each other. That we don't look at each, uh, not only each other, but people outside the church and say, yeah, they're different. But that's who Jesus called us to be in ministry to. Not folks that were like us, 
not just look for the people that are like us, but look for people who need the Lord that may look different from us, that may be different from us in some way, but yet can be part of the one body. So we disciples are fond of saying with this idea of unity being our polar star. We're fond of saying in essentials, unity. And we have some pretty lively discussions sometimes about what the essentials are. But clearly, being united in Christ is the thing that binds us, that holds us together. It's essential in understanding who Jesus Christ calls us to be. People that don't look at each other uh, and don't look at others beyond the church in fear, but with hope, with love, with concern, with compassion. In essentials unity, in non-essentials diversity, in all things charity, Let's listen to each other. We might actually be able to learn something if we'll keep our mouth closed enough so that we can hear. Let's listen to what other people have to say beyond the sanctuary, beyond the church. The concerns that they're expressing, the cries for help that they give. Let's listen in all things charity. We're fond of saying We are Christians only, but we're not the only Christians. We understand ourselves as part of the larger body of Christ. There is no, I'm a follower of Paul, I'm a follower of Apollos, I'm a follower of Greg, I'm a follower of Bradley across the alleyway or Tracy across the street. No, we're all one in Christ. I thank God that in our little community here, our little block uh, or two of of downtown Lafayette, that that we have uh, great colleagues. I've got great colleagues in ministry. And and that helps us to be able to do things like we do through the music ministry, where we get together from time to time. We go out in the street and bless palms and things like that. We are Christians only, but we're not the only Christians. And... No creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. So that we look at Scripture, we take it seriously, we take it and look at it as authority for our lives. We understand that you have to interpret it. There are many, many, many things in Scripture that are expressed in many different literary forms. There's poetry, there's stories, parables. But we look at that and say that's where we can find guidance. That's where we read and have testimony about what Christ has done. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the word becomes a living word. A word for us today. Well, so uh, in, this, in this day, have come to say just in the last few years, we are a movement for wholeness in a broken world. A movement for wholeness in a broken world. 
And man, if there was ever a need for a movement for wholeness, isn't it now? In this broken world? For voices to stand up and say, you know, yeah, we have our differences. But there's something that we can share in common. The love of God for each other and for God. Maybe we should look at each other and ask ourselves, how can we get along, how can we love each other in the name of Christ rather than uh, being told that we are to fear each other in whose name I don't know. But that seems to be all too common a message that we get. Be afraid. Be very afraid. That doesn't have anything to do with the gospel. Not anything at all. We are all servants in Christ's name. Every single one of us. Paul talks about that in these verses that we just read. Every person has a ministry. Every member is a minister. We have different gifts. We have different things that we bring to the table. And everybody can come to the table. We have different things we bring there. But we're all ministers. God has called you to do something. I don't know what that is, but I know God has called you. I know God wants your service in Christ's name. So, in the midst of our genuine differences, differences in gifts, differences in who we are and and, uh, how we look, in 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 the midst of those differences of gifts and grace, we welcome one another. In Christ's name. As Christians, we need to find ways to honor the divinely inspired differences that we all bring to the table. That we invite people, all people, to bring to the table. We need to do that. In Christ's name. In Christ's name. Unity is our polar star because Christ has called us to that unity. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gracious way that you have called us to be your church, uh, for the way that you love us, continue to love us and forgive us. God, help us to become greater servants in the name of Christ, in this community, in this world. You've given us each gifts. God, help us to discover those. God, we may already know. And if we already know, Lord, give us the courage to use them, the gifts that you've given us. For it's in Christ's name. Amen.